0: All right, good morning, everybody. I don't, why don't we, uh, as we're getting to God's word, why don't we just uh, pray? I know our offering is still being passed out, but would you, would you uh, uh, bow your heads with me this morning as we just open our hearts to what God would say to us uh, today? Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now, Lord, and during this Christmas season, and God, we want to be really mindful of not getting so caught up in everything else that we forget about the reason that we celebrate this time, and it's because of you. And so, God, we just ask that you would um, fill this place with your presence, that our hearts would be attentive uh, to what you would want to speak to us today, and that, God, we would be ready and receptive. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many people have ever asked someone the question, how have you been lately? And they answer with one word, busy, busy. How many get that often? You get that quite a bit? No one. Great. I'm talking to myself then, I guess. Uh, There are a lot of people, our our standard answer in our American culture is, uh, hey, I've been really, really busy. It's almost like if you aren't busy, you're not important. At least that's what people think, sort of. Like, if, we have, if we're not at breakneck speed on a continual basis, then people would say, well, your life really isn't uh, valuable in any way because you're not busy all the time. I want you to do an experiment for me this week, okay? Over the next seven days, by the time we come back to church together, I want you to begin to ask people, how are you doing? And I want you to begin to take notice of how many times people say busy. Not just once, not just busy like once, or they'll explain it like, oh man, I've been really, there've been a lot of things going on and all of those kind of things. Why are we so busy in our culture? In the last 20 years, we've seen such advancements in technology to help us to be less busy, but it seems like the more that technology advances, the busier that we get. There are many people in this room today who rode a horse to school and in the same lifetime rode a jet plane across the nation. Some of them taking jet rides the same length of time that it took them to ride their horse to school. We think about how, could you, how if we are saving that much time in our lifetimes right now how could we possibly be on this continual busy roller coaster all the times it seems like the more time that we save the less time that we have i'm going to hate to see what it looks like in 20 years but you know what if you want to talk about busy let's just talk about the christmas season for a minute right i mean Let's start listing off all of the things that we could be busy with. Why don't we do that this morning? So just, just begin to shout out things that you could be busy with at the Christmas. The first person, you're not going to get rocks thrown at you or anything like that. But kids, sports. Oh, that's a convicting one already. Great. All right. Anyone else want to throw rocks this direction? What's that? Shopping. Okay. Cards. Okay. Christmas foods. Yeah keep going. Decorating. Decorating. Be- baking. Family. 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 A good one, but we get busy with that. Absolutely. We, we could go on for quite some time here. We could just popcorn. Everyone could come up with something that you could be busy with that could cause the Christmas season to be even more busy than any other season in the whole year. What happens, though, if in all of our shopping and cooking and decorating and wrapping and cleaning and hosting and all the busyness of the season, what would happen if we were so busy we actually missed something that was super important? What would happen if in all of our busyness we somehow forgot the main thing? Could it be possible that in the most wonderful time of the year, We could forget about the wonderful counselor? As we crowd the stores to select presents, could we at the same time crowd out the Lord's presence in our own lives? As we put up trees and hang up lights, do we forget about the one who hung on a tree and is the light? For the month of December, we're going to start a new series, a new Christmas series, and it's going to be entitled This Too Busy for Jesus. Now, I know that there's people in the room already, you're sweating through your ugly Christmas sweater, okay? <laughs> you're just like, Pastor, you don't have to say anything else. I've been going at breakneck speed, and December is just barely here. But for the month of December, we're, we're going to be talking about being too busy for Jesus. Now, this series isn't designed in any way to beat us up and make us feel bad about being busy, but... It does, I hope, I hope we will look at God's word and begin to look and evaluate our own lives to see why we are busy. We want to make sure that while we're busy that we don't miss the main reason of Christmas, which is Jesus Christ. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be studying different people in the Christmas story. Uh, This week, we're going to be looking at uh, different characters in the Christmas story that were just too busy for Jesus. And the next week, we're going to be talking about, about people, characters in the Christmas story that responded well to Jesus despite being busy. Then the following Sunday, the Sunday right before Christmas, we're going to look at what you might be missing this Christmas if you're too busy for Jesus. Then Christmas Eve, as we have our celebration where we invite all of our friends and our family to come, I felt very, very strongly to share a message of salvation that night about being too busy for Jesus in our lives. And uh, this Christmas Eve would be a wonderful opportunity to bring a friend or a family member that needs to know Jesus Christ We're going to have an opportunity for them to come to know Jesus. Because the reality of it is, is that Jesus is the reason for the season. As cliche as that is, Jesus is the ultimate reason of why we do what we do. So, this morning I want to look at a couple groups of people that were too busy for Jesus. Why don't you take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Starting at verse 1, reading through verse 8. Reading from the New Living Translation this morning, it says this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone else in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you, You will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called a secret meeting or a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. So the wise men come searching the Christ child. The king of the Jews was to be born. Somehow they knew, we don't understand how or why, but somehow they were following a star in the sky which was leading them towards the king of the Jews that was to be born. So they go to a palace to find the king, the child king. They go to the palace and they go and they meet with Herod and they say, where is this child that was born king of the Jews and he doesn't know anything about this child. In fact, he's concerned. He's concerned that he will lose his power if this, this king of the Jews grows up and, and could usurp the power and the authority that he has. So Herod calls in the people that will help him. What does he do? He calls in... The people that are waiting for the Messiah. If you're looking for the Messiah, you find people that are looking for the Messiah, professional people that know what they're talking about. So Herod calls the all star team of prophecy in. The Bible says these guys are the leading priests and the teachers of the law. They are the best of the best. And their information is golden, it's good. They tell the wise men that that Jesus or the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. We later read on, and most of us probably know the story, that obviously the, the wise men come and find Jesus there, and they give him the treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they worship him. And then they go back away. They don't go back and tell Herod. But when we see what happens here, my question is this. Is that if you are a teacher of the law, the leading teachers of the law, and prophet and priest and all of these things in the area, how do you miss the Messiah when all of these things are going on? I mean, why don't you at least send one of your leading priests with the wise men just to check it out, just to make sure? I mean, that only makes sense, right? If the Messiah really was going to come and was going to be born in Bethlehem, and these guys had seen a star in the sky, and they had come from a long distance to find this child, wouldn't you just maybe, just in case, wouldn't you send someone along? wouldn't you maybe go and check it out? I mean, if you've been waiting for hundreds of years for the Messiah, wouldn't, wouldn't you follow them? I mean, you're experts. You know the scripture. You pray. You're watching for the Messiah. But what happened here, guys, is that Jesus didn't come in the way that they thought he was going to come. They were waiting for a different kind of Messiah. They were waiting for this uh, king to be born in a palace with much celebration and much fanfare, but Jesus instead was born in a stable on a silent night. Could the Pharisees actually have been too busy with their traditions that they actually missed Jesus? not just the birth of Jesus. Think about all of the times in Jesus' ministry when he stood right in front of them, when he taught in the synagogue, when he taught in their temple, and he was sharing the words of life, and there were healings, and there were miracles, and these things were going on all around them, yet their eyes were blinded because they were so trapped in their tradition, they missed Jesus. They missed Jesus. The very thing they were waiting and longing for. They were distracted by something else. They were so busy being religious that they missed Jesus. They were so busy and caught up in their tradition that they missed Jesus. So how does this apply to us as American Christians? I need to make a clear statement before I offend a ton of people here real quick, okay? I'm, I, uh, I am not an anti-Americanized Christian guy, okay? Or a Christian, Christmas guy. I'm not an anti-Americanized Christmas guy. We have a tree at our house. We have stockings. We, uh, we do presents and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just want, want you to understand that right off the bat. But, but here's the question that, that I want to ask you personally everyone in this room and i'll include myself could we as americanized christmas people could we get so caught up in the tradition of christmas that we forget about the reason for christmas could we get so caught up in the tradition of christmas that we somehow forget about the reason for Christmas. You see, guys, the devil doesn't always want to make you bad. And I think I've said this before. He just wants to make you busy. It's really subtle. He doesn't, he doesn't always come to you, confront you right away with something, some sort of temptation. He just wants to get you distracted. He just wants to do a little bait and switch. Look over here, look over here, and then he steals your purse. And sometimes I think that, that guys we we get so busy in our Christmas traditions that sometimes we can forget about the truly important thing which is Jesus Christ. We get busy. We get busy with the presents and the shopping, like we talked about all of the things, the cooking, the eating, the decorating, the family, the friends, the gathering, the celebrating even. And we get so exhausted and so distracted that we forget that the very simple core of Christmas is that God sent his son to be to be Emmanuel, God with us. God who took on flesh. God walking in our shoes. Guys, I want to challenge you this Christmas. I I want to challenge you, don't be too busy for Jesus. Carve out time this Christmas season to spend special moments thinking about how amazing Jesus really is. When, when, when you have an opportunity like when when the snow is falling at night and, and there's that high that silent hush that comes on, on all around you and you and you can hear the snow, how many of you have ever heard the snow? You've heard that? Yeah. In that moment, we'll get snow. We live in North Dakota. Don't worry about it. It's gonna come. It's like the second coming of Jesus. It's gonna happen. You know. <laughs> When, when you can hear the snow this Christmas, guys, can you do something for me? In those moments when you could be doing a hundred other things, go get a cup of hot chocolate or a cup of coffee, walk outside as frigid as it is, and just listen. And just begin to meditate on who Jesus is. Begin to think about the scripture verse as you wake up in the morning, one morning, and you look out, and the entire uh, area is covered in white. And you think about the scripture verse that says, Though your sin be as scarlet, they will be white as snow. And take those moments to just stop in all of the busyness. Maybe after the kids go to bed, young parents and You sit under the glow of the Christmas lights. You just sit there and you thank Jesus for being the light of the world. Thank Jesus for piercing the darkness of your heart and shining in the light of eternity. And just enjoy the season of Christmas. There was another group of people that were too busy for Jesus. They were in Luke chapter 2. So if you want to flip over to them, in Luke chapter 2. These ones are kind of hard to see. In Luke chapter 2, reading verses 1 through 7, it says this. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when (laughs) Quinerian, I've said this name a hundred times, that guy was governor of Syria, (laughs) all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancee, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. I want you to look at this last, last sentence. Because there was no lodging available for them was no lodging available for them. Joseph comes home to report for the census, and he travels to Bethlehem with Mary, who is obviously pregnant. I mean, this is a memorable trip. If you've ever gone anywhere with a pregnant woman, I have six children. I understand what this is like, okay? So, uh, I mean, you're always stopping. You're always eating. There's always something going on, all right? And so when, when they're doing this, she is obviously pregnant. I mean, the stops don't I mean, you can just see she's obviously pregnant. She's going to have baby Jesus soon. And uh, as they are going through uh, all of the places, and Joseph gets to his hometown, he comes to Bethlehem where the baby is going to be born. And um, and as they are getting to Bethlehem, uh, Mary looks at Joseph and she says, "It's time." And and all guys know that that all guys that have had children, uh, you understand that it's time. When she says it's time, it's, it's time. And you, your brain doesn't work right and all of these kind of things. And so Joseph is trying to frantically figure out, okay, what are we going to do and all of this kind of stuff. Now, what you have to understand here in this story, uh, unfortunately, when Jesus was to be born, there was no room available, available for them. Now, what you have to understand, I know that our, our, uh, our culture um, many times... Some of the translations say that there was no room for them in the inn. Bethlehem was not big enough to have an inn. Basically, all that was happening here was whenever you went back, either if there was a census or you went back to your family, your family would always host because that was Jewish culture. You would always host. Well, what happened was the city was so overwhelmed, Uh, overwhelmed and overrun by people that there was no room for anyone to sleep anywhere. It was kind of like Watford City about three years ago. (laughs) So we get a taste of what it was like. And so what was happening here is, is Joseph comes to the door of his home, or not his home, but a family member, maybe a, a distant family member, and there are people sleeping everywhere. They're on the couch. They're all over the place. And, and they're just saying, well, we have no room available. We don't know what to do with you. So they said, well, what we'll do is we'll put you in the barn. That, that's kind of what happened because Jesus was placed in a manger where they would keep the animals. And so they just put them... And just kind of squeezed him into the barn. We'll just let you guys take over the barn. And This was their family. And hospitality, it was was huge, but they they had to give him a place. It wasn't an option. But that was all that was left. It was like when Joseph and Mary and Jesus rolled into town. Jesus was almost there. Uh, They kind of got the leftovers. Whatever was left. So my question today for us is, are we giving Jesus just the leftovers of Christmas? Do we do all of the things that we, we want to do and, and all of the things that are going on and, and, and if we can just fit Jesus in, well, we'll all, I'll go to, to church on Christmas Eve and, and that'll kind of count for the Jesus portion of the, of the Christmas time or, or whatever it is, but it might not be our houses that are filled So, Jesus has to go to the barn, but what about the other things that tend to fill in our lives? Like our calendars or our schedules? Now, I'm not saying that all of the busyness that we find ourselves in in the Christmas season is bad. We just get busy. But the question needs to be asked today Are you too busy for Jesus? If Jesus came to your house at Christmas time, would you say, well, sorry, Lord, I don't quite have time to spend with you right now. I'm just too busy. Is spending time with Jesus at Christmas just an add-on? Well, Lord, if I have a little time between hustle and bustle, I'll fit you in. Do you think you could maybe come at 2.30 on Thursday if we could get together? That'd be really great. It would work for me. Do we give Jesus what's left? In Revelation 3.20, there's an interesting passage of Scripture. Many of you know the passage that I'm talking about. It goes this way. It's up on the screen. Jesus was talking to the church when he said this. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, open the door, and I will come in, and we will share a meal together, As friends, We use this verse a lot of times to talk about people accepting Christ for salvation. We think of Jesus standing at the heart of every man, knocking, wanting to come in. Will you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That Jesus is knocking and waiting and that you are to accept him into your life. But the reality of the verse here is that Jesus isn't waiting on people that don't know him. Jesus is waiting on his friends. He's standing at the door and he's knocking. He says, I'm knocking at the door of your heart. Do you hear my voice? Do you hear me knocking? I want to come in and sit down and share a meal with you as friends. But when we get really busy in our Christian life, it seems like there is a great void in our relationship with God. Have you ever noticed that? That when you get so busy, all of a sudden you you pull your Bible out and you go, Man, it's been a while, and I just haven't spent time with God, and I it gets so busy, and and then all of a sudden it feels like God is further away than before you were busy. Anyone ever sensed that before? How do I know that? (laughs) I've been there. In fact, I've been there a lot of times. Um when we're busy, we don't hear the knocking. When we're busy, we don't take time to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. We don't take time to stop and invite Jesus to come in and enjoy each other's friendship. Now, I know some of you guys think I'm a little bit off my rocker, so I'm going to prove it right here. Sometimes when I would get really busy as a pastor years ago, and I would sense that emptiness in my relationship with God, and I would sense that there was, a, there was like a chasm that was happening in my heart between myself and God. Um, In the old sanctuary, there used to be these two thrones that were on the platform. I don't know why we had those there because no one ever sat in them, but I decided one day I would start using them. Not when anyone saw me, I just did it. And uh, so when I would get to those feelings where I'd feel like God was distant I would come into the church early in the morning before anyone else would get here and I would pour myself a cup of coffee and, uh, and I would go and I would sit in one of the thrones. And I called it coffee with the king because it was we were in thrones. It just fit, you know. Um, and this is where it got kind of weird. I sat in the one throne and I would look at the other throne that was sitting there empty And I would begin to have a conversation with God as if He were sitting right in the chair next to me. I would talk out loud to the empty chair. And I would say, You know what, God? I'm sorry for being really busy. And you know, a lot of times prayer is a monologue, it's just me talking. But when I would sit and have coffee with the king, I knew that it was just as important for me to listen as it was for me to talk. So I would ask questions to the empty chair. And then I would just wait. I wouldn't try and talk over the voice of the Holy Spirit or say too much. I'd just wait. And I know to some of you, you think, man, that is really weird, Pastor Sheldon. All I know is this, is that after I had coffee with the king, I felt closer to God. That's all I can tell you. And I know that we can't always go by feelings, but I do know this much. Is that when we take time to have conversations with God, not just uh, monologues where we say rote prayers or something like that, but we actually stop and listen. God is saying, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I want to have supper with them like they're my friend. That's the kind of relationship I want to have with Jesus is a close and intimate friendship-style relationship. So what if this Christmas season, you were to, to, to determine, rather than be so busy and caught up in all of the things that you could be doing and all of the things that are going on in your life, that you would take specific time and you would carve out moments... And you would have coffee with the king. And you would sit and wait in the presence of God. Maybe you go for a walk and you find a place where you can talk out loud. Don't do this in public, they'll throw you away. But you just spend time talking to God. Maybe you're kneeling at your bedside in the evening. Maybe it's like I said in those moments of quiet when you can just spend time just sensing the voice of the Holy Spirit that you would take time for God. As if you were inviting him to dinner, that he was sitting right there in the room, as if you were talking with a friend. That we would never get to a place in our lives, especially around this season, that we were too busy for Jesus. I want to close this morning's message with a story. I heard a story once of a church that had a Christmas program um, with all of the kids that they dressed up in all of the Christmas garb. And, and uh, they would put on, their, put on their house coats and they would find something to uh, rag or something to wrap around their heads so that they looked like the, the times of Jesus. And, and there was this one boy in the Christmas concert that year that they weren't sure what to do with. His name was Billy. And Billy had Down syndrome, so all of the kids had lines in the program, but they weren't sure about Billy's capabilities and whether he could actually say a line, whether he could be a part of the Christmas concert. But they so badly wanted Billy to be a part of the Christmas concert. Everyone in the church loved Billy. And, and so they said, one of, the, one of the teachers came up with the ingenious plan. Why don't we have Billy be the innkeeper then he just will just give him two words that's all he has to remember if he could if he could just remember he all he just has to shake his head and just say two words no room no room so they took Billy aside, and, and one of the, the teachers explained, Billy, you have a very important part in the Christmas play this year. We need you to learn these lines. And they began to practice with him week after week and, and say, Billy, say, go like this, no room, no room. And Billy would, would at first, he would stutter, and he would have trouble uh, clearly speaking the words, and, and, and he would shake his head, and, and, and sometimes he would forget. But after a while, they would go through the Christmas concert, and Mary and Joseph would come uh, to, to Billy, and, and he would say, no room. No room. And everybody was happy. They were all excited. The kids would cheer when Billy would say his line. And, and they, were, they were so excited to have Billy be part of the Christmas concert this year. So the night came. And everyone dressed up. And Billy was backstage. And he saw the wise men and the shepherds and the angels and Mary and Joseph. And, and they put Billy back behind the cardboard cutout of the stage and they stuck Billy back behind the stage, and, and he, would, he would get back behind his cardboard, and he was waiting for the moment when, when his time would arrive, where he would have to say the words. And, and, and he sat back there waiting as, as the cardboard door was closed, and he kept going over in his mind, "No room. No room. No room. No room." and the play was going on, and all of the kids were remembering their lines, and everything was perfect, and the church was waiting with great anticipation for Billy to share his line. And all of a sudden, the knock came at the cardboard door. Billy opened the door and stepped out. And right at that moment, he had it, right on the tip of his tongue, what he was going to say, and he knew what he needed to say, but the lights were so bright, And all of the people were there, and he grinned, only Billy's perfect grin, and there was kind of a silence that went across the crowd. Joseph spoke up first and said, dear sir, we need a room. My wife is ready to have a baby, and we need somewhere to stay. And and Billy, with it on the tip of his tongue, was thinking, what do I say, and and the, the, the children's worker began saying, Billy, no room. No room, Billy. Just, just say your line. You know it, buddy. You can do it. And Billy was in awe of the crowd and all of the people. And all of a sudden, he snapped out of it. He said, I know what I'm supposed to do. He didn't say that. But he, in his mind, he, it came to alertness. And he was ready. And, and he kind of stood up straight. And he shook his head. And he says, No room. Everyone was excited that Billy set his line. and Everybody was cheering, and and Mary and Joseph at that moment hung their heads as they were supposed to, and they began to walk away. Billy was very excited right then that, that, that he had set his line, but all of a sudden, when he looked and saw Mary and Joseph's countenance fall and how sad they were as they walked away, Billy reached out his hand, and his heart took over his head, and he reached out and he said, Wait! Can have my room. There wasn't a dry eye in the place. Because Billy's heart was revealed. It was the greatest sermon that anyone could ever preach at the Christmas season. Billy's emotions overrode all of the things that he had studied for so many months and, and it was transferred for everyone to see. Billy showed us how important it is. You see guys, sometimes I think that we make it way too hard. Hard. This Christmas, could we just not lose Jesus in all of the tradition like the teachers of the law? Could we not overfill our schedules to the point where Jesus ends up getting left out? Could we listen for the quiet knocking and instead of answering the door and saying no room, would we be willing to say Jesus, you can have my room. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just pray today that you would, God, that you would open our hearts at this season time to remember you, to sense you, to know you, to be close to you. God, may our hearts be tender like Billy's, ready to welcome you in, even if it takes a sacrifice on our part. Guys, um, maybe you're here today and you would openly admit and say in your own heart right now, I am just too busy for Jesus right now. The busyness of my life has crowded out my relationship with him, but I want that to change. If that's you this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to pray for you today that God would would begin to shift your heart. If that's you this morning, would you be brave enough to raise your hand today and say, that's me. I've allowed busyness to begin to crowd out my life. This isn't about salvation or anything like that. This is a, just the fact that you've allowed busyness to crowd out. Yes, thank you. Quite a few hands. Just raise your hand where you're at. Raise your hand. Yeah. Could we pray as a church? Good portion of people. You can put your hand back down now. Could we genuinely pray together right now? God, we just... Um, we just want to humble ourselves before you, God, and we know that, that our culture wants us to, to really be caught up in a lot of different things during this season. But God, we want to push you to the forefront. So God, right now, all of those that responded today, that we get so busy with a lot of other things that it drowns you out or crowds you out. God, we're, we're right now, we want to receive what you talked about in your word, that you're knocking, that you're calling. So right now, God, we want to go to the door and open it and invite you in. God, begin to transfer or change our heart so, God, that we're not so focused on all of the other things, but that we would be focused on you, the main thing, that we would spend time with you, that we would build our relationship with you during this season, that we would spend moments with you God I pray that you would cause us as a church body not to be too busy that God we would um, be ready to hear your voice that we would be sensitive to your Holy Spirit and that God we would be um, just filled with joy knowing that you came at this season for us to be Emmanuel God with us that we would cherish that today We pray in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you guys. Just a reminder, if you want to help with our hospitality team, they're going to be in that back room right back there. The Lord bless you guys. Have a Merry Christmas. Don't be too busy for Jesus.